0: Hello, and welcome back to Campbell and Company's podcast on fundraising during COVID-19. If this is your first episode, we're using this series to show how nonprofits have kept their fundraising strategies fresh and responsive during a difficult time. To learn more, visit our COVID-19 information hub at CampbellCompany.com slash COVID-19. On this episode, consultant Kelsey Nelson is joined by Christy Prassas, Vice President of Development and External Relations at the Knight Ministry. Let's get started.
1: So glad to have you. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. So we're going to be discussing how the Knight Ministry is rising to meet the challenges and opportunities um, of the COVID-19 pandemic and everything that's happened since March. Um, So, Christy, I wonder, can you start just by telling our listeners a little bit
0: about the Knight Ministry? Sure. Um, The Knight Ministry is a Chicago-based nonprofit that provides housing, healthcare, and human connection to individuals struggling with homelessness or poverty. We began 44 years ago in 1976 with one employee reaching out to people on the streets at night providing coffee blankets and compassion. Today we are an organization employing nearly 140 people that serves more than 6,000 young people and adults every year. An estimated 77,000 individuals experience homelessness in Chicago every year. Healthcare is a challenge for many of them with health care conditions often being a precipitating factor in someone becoming homeless, while the conditions of homelessness can create health problems and make existing ones worse. Individuals experiencing homelessness also face significant barriers in accessing health care. That is why our health outreach program brings free health care directly to those whom we serve. Our health outreach bus visits neighborhoods across Chicago, with high concentrations of poverty and homelessness. Our street medicine team travels directly to where our city's unsheltered are, whether that is an encampment, under an expressway viaduct, in a park, or on a street corner. Healthcare is not the only need for those whom we serve. So we also offer food, clothing, supplies, and supportive services such as helping a client get an ID, sign up for government assistance, or find more stable housing. More than 11,000 of Chicago's homeless are young people between the ages of 14 and 21 who are on the streets alone. The Knight Ministry's youth programs help young people experiencing homelessness meet their needs for shelter, food, and safety while assisting them in building stable futures. Our youth outreach team connects with young people living on the streets and links them with resources at the Knight Ministry and other partner agencies. Our youth housing programs provide structured, safe, and supportive living environments for youth from all backgrounds who face multiple challenges. Ranging from overnight shelter to short-term and long-term housing, they include the only shelter in Chicago to reserve beds for pregnant and parenting young mothers as young as the age of 14, and a residence for high school students experiencing housing instability. At the root of everything we do at the Knight Ministry is human connection or relationship building. Homelessness and poverty are incredibly isolating, traumatizing, and demoralizing experiences. We approach the community members we serve with acceptance and compassion, and we know we have to earn their trust. And once we do, that's when we can not only provide real comfort, but help our clients improve their situations. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for that really comprehensive answer,
1: um, Christy. I think it's just Uh, a little mind-boggling to think about all of the things that the night ministry does, and I will say, you know, from my perspective, hearing you talk about the the compassion and the trust building um, as a mm-hmm. core part of your mission delivery, and um, is it's just it's so wonderful to hear. And also, um, you know, our offices are downtown, and and occasionally I'll see teams from the night ministry out and about, mm-hmm. and and I think it's it's so obvious um, from anybody who sees the work in action that that um, it is really true, and it's really lived and embodied embodied by um, your your employees and volunteers. So um, really mm-hmm. lovely to hear about that. So thank you for sharing. Um, I, I'm curious can you share a little bit about how your programs and operations have been impacted and, and shifted during the pandemic and you know one of the things maybe you might not get to this right away but I want to come back to what you just mentioned about volunteer coordination as well because I, I'm sure that there has been a difference in, um, in how you recruit and, and mobilize volunteers but would love to hear just about how your work has has changed um, during the pandemic
0: yeah definitely um so the night ministry has remained committed to serving um chicagoans um who are experiencing homelessness and poverty throughout the pandemic um but we've had to definitely get creative in order to do so um we've essentially since um just before the pandemic started um in early february kind of developed what we call a COVID-19 task force uh, made up of individuals from different departments throughout um, the night ministry. So across all of our programs, staff members have been responding to the evolving needs of those we serve, um, as Chicago's homeless and poor have been greatly affected By the wider social impact of the virus. Um, This has led to some really innovative programming. So we've made some immediate modifications um, earlier this year to our services um, basically to promote safety. For example, our healthcare services are usually provided on our vehicles, so on the 38-foot health outreach bus and on the street medicine van. In order to prevent clustering of people in a combined space, we stopped providing those services on the vehicles and moved all patient care onto the streets, um, which which is a challenge. And we're we're continuing to provide that patient care on the streets for the foreseeable future. Um, We also reduced onsite staffing levels at our youth programs and health outreach programs to essential workers only. Um, This has meant setting up remote ways for our residents of our youth programs, for example, to continue meeting with their case managers and mental health counselors. Um in terms of what you just um, you just said about volunteers, we we temporarily suspended volunteer shifts, which was really difficult because volunteers are such an important part of our mission. Um, but we needed to reduce the number of people in our facilities, on our vehicles, and at the sites where we provided our services. Happily, we've started to bring back volunteers over the last six weeks. Um, we I think we're allowing um, currently, we're allowing one to two individual volunteers to come out and serve with us um, on the bus, on our health outreach bus. And I think um, in terms of meal groups, because we have meal groups come out and serve with us every night, I think we're allowing maybe up to four people come out and serve with us at a time. So um, I know volunteers have been eager to come out and, and be with us and we have been eager to have them come out. So. We're, we're really excited about that, but we just want to make sure we're doing it in a, in a very safe way. Um, so, so, so hopefully we can continue to, to have them come out. Um, and then also recognizing the challenging conditions of serving during the pandemic, we provided additional compensation to our staff members who work directly with clients. So um, as I mentioned, um, a, a lot of the people that we served uh, or that we do serve um, have been um, affected by uh, the pandemic, Um, and the night ministry has responded to to the various challenges that they face during this time. And some of these challenges that I just want to point out are as follows. Um, Increased food insecurity. Our clients have had loss of income because they've been laid off, or there's been reduced foot traffic for those who rely on panhandling, maybe, you know, in the downtown area. Um, They've had reduced or curtailed services from other organizations that they rely upon, such as Public transit or drop in centers that are closed or closed temporarily or cut their hours or um, health clinics, maybe Um, Even more than usual. Our staff have been consistent um, consistently assessing what our clients need and how to help them get those needs met. So during the state of Illinois shelter in place order, we kept our overnight shelter for young adults, the crib open around the clock. So 24 hours to give young people um, who had no place to shelter in place a safe environment in which to do so. Our case managers worked with clients uh, to track down their stimulus checks and to sign them up for benefits like food assistance. Um, some of our staff delivered food to former residents of our housing programs who lost their jobs or maybe they had difficulty shopping because of transportation issues or health concerns. Um, we began outreach on the CTA when some of our staff noticed that large numbers of Chicago's homeless population were riding the trains overnight instead of staying in the city shelter system. Um, We've been connecting clients with substance use challenges who want to get clean with a tele-supported medication treatment program. We're seeing a lot of um, overdose during this time. And um, lastly, despite the challenging environment we've helped a lot of young people um, and adults move into their housing during this this time um, with the help of a partner agency so um, so we've still been able to do a lot of work. Um, the demand you know is has increased um, and even on um, with, with less staff because we've had essential just only essential workers out there, um, we're still doing more. Wow
1: thank you yeah
0: I, I think. You
1: know, it's, it's overwhelming to think about how all of these problems have compounded upon each other. But um, thank you for, for everything that you um, just shared and, and all of that work that's happening. It's really um, heartening, I think, to see the fast pace at which, um, you know, your organization and I think others like it have responded to this incredibly challenging time. So um, thanks for sharing that. Chrissy, I want to I, I want to shift now and ask you a little more about um, fundraising. And mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, obviously it it takes funds to um, keep our organizations going and to respond to this need. And I'm I, I'm wondering if you can share um, maybe you know the most innovative fundraising practice or or new thing that that you and your team have tried since the onset of COVID 19
0: so um I think there have been a few things that we did rather quickly I don't I don't know how innovative they were but I, I definitely think they were effective um so I think you know the biggest thing we did was move or we had to move to virtual programming so um some examples of that are um, you know since 2003 we had been hosting tours um, of our programs uh, what we call we call them van tours and typically once per month we' Give a tour of our youth shelter program, one of our youth shelter programs, and one of our health outreach bus stops, and it gives um, our supporters a chance to view program, view our programs in action, and also to talk to staff and ask them questions about our work. And the tour typically lasts about three hours in the evening, 5:30 to 8:30. Uh, With COVID, we developed an online tour with staff and client interviews and tours of the youth shelter and health outreach bus. And again, it's a couple of hours long, but it's, it's, it's virtual It's online instead of obviously in-person. Um, and I'm not sure when we'll be able to go back to in-person in tours. Um, we also moved twice in the past eight months. Um, we moved from our office in Ravenswood to a temporary location in early December of 2019. And then again, in May of 2020 to our permanent office in Bucktown. And of course, it's a perfect opportunity for us to host tours of our new space and have an open house, but we knew that wasn't possible. So Mm -hmm. um, videotaping virtual tours of the new space and making those tours available to our supporters. We've also had to conduct conduct, um, online or virtual volunteer orientations. Um, So even though we haven't been able to bring volunteers on at the rate um, at which we want to, Um, we're still conducting orientations so that when we are ready to bring them on board, that they're ready to go. So we've had a couple of pretty large groups of volunteer orientations that we've done virtually, and it's worked out really well. Um, And then lastly, we've hosted um, a Facebook live interview series to provide um, content, additional content content for supporters to learn more in depth about our programs. And some of the topics have been um, meeting homeless youth, uh, where they are, helping young people to thrive, taking healthcare on the road, sort of a mobile approach, and then discrimination, racial inequity, and homelessness and poverty. So, and we hope to continue that Facebook Live interview series throughout the rest of the year because um, it has been very uh, successful for us, actually. So, um, so I think that the, the virtual programming has really, um, really been um, effective for us. Definitely. Well, I think you might have already answered this
1: question, but you know, I wanted to ask if you've learned anything or or imagine that you will carry on um, any of, of the practices fundraising wise or engagement wise. And it sounds like you know, uh, virtual programming is definitely an, an area where you might continue to uh, meet audiences there. Is there anything else that you're looking forward to continuing to do or, or that you've learned, you know, is a better delivery method for some of your donor and audience engagement in this time?
0: You know, so I think I, I mentioned that human connection and relationship building is sort of at the root of everything we do at the Night Ministry. And I think that we've seen that human connection um, with our supporters is, is more impo- important now, more than ever during the pandemic. Um, in quarter four of this fiscal year, we've acquired m- more than 500 um, new donors as compared wow. to for 150 last year during the same time period. So I think it's because we've been very visible, we've been out there, we've had, I think, We've been featured in more than 20 media stories. Um, and so people, you know, since we've been out there, our, our staff have been out there, our vehicles have been out there, um, people have noticed us, um, and I think, and we've been also connecting with our donors more. Um, we've always done, we've always found it very important to make um, thank you calls to our, to our supporters, you know, mm-hmm. um, our staff. Board or volunteers call just to say thank you for a gift, but I think what we're seeing now is that people are home and wanting to know what's going on. And those calls may, where they used to last five minutes before, may last 45 minutes now because Mm -hmm. people want to talk and people want to know what's what's happening and what's different. And so I think that connection with our supporters um, is stronger now more than ever. we developed um, a COVID-19 impact report that shows how the night ministry made program adjustments during this time and how we responded to clients. Um, and we sent that out mostly to new donors and um, some of our major donors. And um, I think that was really also impactful. So just being transparent during this time, adaptable, flexible, and and also just um, making sure just to, communicate as much as we can to people and letting them know, like, here's what we're doing and um, here's how we're changing and um, changing to meet the needs, right. That are out there. So right.
1: um,
0: I, yeah. And I think the silver lining is people have been so helpful and generous and, and wanting to help in different ways. And um, I think that has been very heartwarming and um, really a blessing, um, for us. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that's, that's what we've, that's what's come out of all of this.
1: Thank you. I think
0: there's a lot in there that, you know, I've
1: heard, um, reflected by other organizations, uh, across the city. And, you know, the idea certainly of transparency. I think everybody understands that in this time being upfront about, um, needs as well as, uh, you know, the the shifts that have had to um, be made is really smart. Um, but I, I love what you were talking about in terms of human connection and that, you know, it's something that was in your mission all along. Um, and that really is is the guiding principle and value. And you found a way to authentically communicate that and amplify that to your donors. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I love hearing that. Well, Thank you so much, Christy. That, that'll wrap up today's podcast. I want to thank you. Um, I hope that her insights and experiences inspire you all.
0: That's it for today. For more information, please visit us online at campbellcompany.com COVID-19 and follow us online on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks for listening.